Welcome to the Specify Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Tas Nakagawa of Castagra Products. Each week, I talk to leaders and experts about how to overcome adversity, grow massive organizations, and how to create meaningful change in the building materials and construction industry. Today's guest is Eric Schultz. He's a partner at Journey Alliance. So Eric, thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. No, I really appreciate the opportunity to spend some time with you and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So when I look at your background, the thing that stands out for me is uh, you've been an entrepreneur and, and you've exited twice. So you've went through it, you've suffered through it, you got out <laughs> and you went back in. So <laughs> tell me about the first time. Yeah. So it's interesting when you say first time, of course, there's the first, let's call it professional experience. And then there's the being nine years old and selling pine cones door to door in New Hampshire and learning the lesson of supply and demand. Apparently there are a lot of pine cones in New Hampshire and people don't just want to buy pine cones from a nine-year-old kid, but they feel bad and hand you a nickel. But no, first professionally, you know, it was really, it was, it was by default, the particular business that I went to, I had left a company that I was helping to manage and thought I was going to go a path and build an internet-based business and realized pretty quickly that I, I needed uh, financial resources, relationships, and some some business acumen and technological acumen, none of which I had at the time to be able to build that business. And so I went back to what I knew, which was the field service, the landscape business. And um, lo and behold, I started it during what we now call the Great Recession. So it was the worst time to be trying to get a business off the ground. But really for me, I look at it in terms of the positive that came out of it. It taught me a lot about getting a business off the ground, especially during one of the hardest times to do so. So yeah, that was the first run. It was a small business. Yeah. But tell me the great thing about owning and running a landscape business and the bad thing about running landscape business. Yeah. Really good question, by the way. The best thing, it's the people. And for me, the people has most to do really with employees, but that also means that on the, the client side and every other relationship, those those are critical but it's employee side. I, I appreciate really having my background coming out of an industry that has such a variety, different types of people that end up in the industry. And so it's really an opportunity to blend and interact with so many different types of people that are coming from so many walks of life. And so being able to be part of a business that is able to take people that maybe don't even realize their own potential and helping them grow is something that I really enjoy. And so the landscape landscape business really allows for a lot of that. And what's the tough part of running, whether it's structurally or whatnot, what's the toughest part? Yeah, I think the, the hardest thing, if I kind of process through, it's the not knowing what you don't know. And I know that may seem a little bit abstract, but the toughest thing, at least early on for me especially, was not knowing what I didn't know and didn't have the right people or network or groups or whatever it was around me to start to create awareness for me in those areas. And so instead I had to beat my head up against the wall. And I think as a entrepreneurially or as a business owner, there's always going to be the things that we don't know. That's, that's our job. We're, we're there to figure that stuff out, but it's so much easier when you have the right people and support systems around you to hopefully 
help you even develop as an entrepreneur, as a business owner before you hit those brick walls. And so that's the hardest part is the, the don't know, don't know for sure. Yeah. And you know, getting out of the business, was that planned or just yet enough or what, what was the, uh, the reason you got out? Yeah. Complex answer. I wanted more and um, admittedly, I wanted more and I couldn't get more fast enough. And so there was almost a, an immaturity, I would say, in some of that. Had I had a different amount of patience, I, I think I would have been part of that longer if it were just that reason. The other factor for me on a personal note, I was getting ready to be married and um, had a lot of people around me that really just said, hey, Eric, you're, the amount of work you're putting into this business isn't going to be a healthy way for you to start your marriage and just consider, doesn't mean you need to get rid of the business, just consider that you need to kind of size up what's important for you. So on a personal note, that was something that I had to consider as well. And, um, you know, combine that with, you know, wanting more um, and a few other factors, it, it just made sense for me to go ahead and, and try to position and sell the business. It was a small enough business still coming out of kind of recession times that, I was laughed out of a, a couple of brokers' offices, and so ended up, you know, having the opportunity to list it and sell it on my own. So I got to have kind of that whole experience end to end as well. Yeah, and then what um, sort of sort of events led to you going back into entrepreneurship? Lack of challenge and boredom. I I from that point took a little bit of time off. Newly married. Of course, my wife's probably wondering, oh no, what did I get myself into? Is this guy even going to work? But uh, we you know, had the, you know, really had the opportunity financially for me to take a little bit of time off and figure out what that next step was. And through the course of events, I uh, ended up going to work for a company in the area. It was a good opportunity. I really fought it tooth and nail. I couldn't really picture myself working for someone again, but it really helped me from a, a leadership standpoint, learn how to be a better follower and also um, really helped me from a humility standpoint, kind of take a step back and really just be a good employee. And so the experience was good. Only after about six months, I was able to do my, my job in say 20 hours a week. And that's, some people would think that's a good thing. For me, I was just bored out of my mind. And I was, I was trying to find other people in the company to help. And I just realized uh, that working in that type of a role, and it was still, it was a nice role, just wasn't, wasn't me realized that I needed to to be part of shaping and building something. And um, lo and behold, you know, I had an opportunity that was presented to me uh, through the course of that, that, that ended up turning out to be what I stepped into. Yeah. What was that? Yeah. I had a, um, an opportunity. It was a small business was really going through some rough times and under, under 20 employees at the time and presented the opportunity for me to come in and help turn the business around. And that was really the birthing of, of journey at that point in time, I thought it was going to be a path where I was primarily consulting and it shifted into some operating. But through the course of that, that opportunity turned from that role to to me being a vested owner in the business as well. You know, we had a roller coaster ride for sure. You know, it was one of those, you know, fixed it, then slapped your head and said, Oh no, what did I do here? And fixed it and what did I do here? Just because we grew very quickly. And maybe at times I'd say unwisely as well. But it was a really great opportunity and it was a great opportunity for me to to learn as well. Yeah. You said unwisely. What would you have done differently? And what type of business was it? This kind of specific? Yeah. Landscape service as well. So landscape field service, had some facility repair, janitorial mixed in. So it was really for exterior maintenance. It was a pretty heavy focus. 
And I think it kind of goes back to the don't know, don't know. I still, I still didn't have the right people around me that even exposed me up until a certain point to the idea of what a peer advisory group was and what that could mean for me. I didn't have anybody that I would say was a coach, you know, for me, a business coach for me, there was just a, a lack of certain people around me that could have supported me in my growth and pointed out some areas for me. I ended up with a really great mentor and that was instrumental for me. And I did eventually end up in a peer group, which was really helpful for me, but that I'd say would definitely have been unwise. But then when you go, you know, from that, there's just some decisions that I definitely would have, would have handled differently. One of them is, you know, the choosing to reinvest back into the business versus at times taking money out of the business. And so, you know, it sounds like such a simple thing, but there are times where making those decisions aren't as simple, but I would definitely choose. And the way that, you know, I operate business now as well is to just to continue reinvesting wisely back into the business. Yeah. And what are you doing now? Yeah. So now I have a, a business hoping to um, help people avoid some of the pitfalls that I might've made um, ramp up their learning a little bit faster with Journey Alliance. And so it's a mix between business coaching and consulting. Uh, but more than anything, I had a, a mentor of mine who gave me that classic mentor question before stepping into what I'm doing now. And he said, Eric, 30 years from now, when you're looking back at your life and I'm thinking, Oh, come on, John, seriously, 30 years from now, <laughs> and I would think in five or 10 year increments, but a 30 year increment. And we had this relationship where, you know, I would reach out to him when I was ready to talk and we'd schedule together. I didn't talk to him for like two or three months because I just couldn't, I couldn't form that picture. I was still within my other business. Long story short, I got to got back together. And I said, John, I said, I know now that I want to help other business owners and leaders be better and that I can be running my own company. I can be part of a company. I don't know what that looks like, but I just know that 30 years from now, I want to look back and I want to have a strong marriage. I want to have a healthy family. There are a lot of other factors personally that I really want to be in, in, in check, but from a professional standpoint and how all that fits together with my life is I want to know that I was part of helping other people succeed you know, that really firmed up the path even that I'm on right now. Um, and then he looked at me and he said, okay, well, you've learned a lot along the way, but um, you still got a lot to learn. <laughs> so I said, thanks, John, I won't talk to you for another two or three months now. But but yeah, so that's, that's what I'm doing now. But really, even that's kind of the, the critical turning point for me also that led me to realizing that that's the path I really wanted to be on. And what are some of the things, because you mentioned continuing to learn, because there's, there's lots of different aspects of business. Where do you go right now in terms of your development and knowledge um, to grow your understanding of how to grow a business or how to run an organization? Yeah, great question. From a, a personal standpoint, um, I continue to develop myself as a coach. You know, coach is a word that everybody throws around these days. To me, it is a it is a profession. It is something that if I'm not developing that skill set, then I'm not going to be as useful for other people as I can be. So there are programs that I'm personally part of center executive coaching is as an example is a really great coaching program. So that's an area that I can continue to, to sharpen that particular skill set for me, because for, for what I do, I don't necessarily have to have all the answers, but I need to be able to help people as they explore, find those answers. Something else that was really beneficial for me. And this steps back a little bit further where I didn't have my undergrad degree. I'm pretty open about that. Don't, 
don't make any bones about it. I've learned a lot through the process, but I really wanted to be able to get a, a higher level education and went through a program through Harvard Extension that allows people like me without the undergrads to take graduate level courses on a certificate process instead. And so I went through that for strategic management to go ahead and get a, a graduate level certificate um, taking those courses. And that really helped fill in the blanks in some areas for me, again, so that I could be a better resource for other, other business owners. But podcasts are great. Books are great. I do between reading and audible as well. And then for me, in terms of just a self-learner, I am constantly researching and learning based off the things that I'm experiencing. I'm part of peer group. I'm actually part of two peer groups, uh, one that I co-facilitate and one that I'm, I'm purely just a participant as well. And I have a coach, my business partner. I use, use a coach. So yes, coaches do use coaches as well. So really a lot of the factors that are there. And then I, I still have a good mentor in my life as well. Yeah, very cool. So through the Harvard course you took, yeah, what are a few things that you picked up from that? Yeah, so it's interesting. It was pre it was pre COVID, and their their course design and program design I, I thought was really amazing. Again, keep in mind I don't have that higher level education, so I think it was amazing. It was amazing for me, uh, but it was also a brand new experience for me. And so they had primarily remote before remote was as popular as it is now. They had an immersion where you would go for certain courses for a weekend on campus there as well. But really the interesting thing, one of the biggest things that I took away from that was I hear people all the time that have had different academic experiences complain about working in groups. Um, but for me, I want to continue to develop my leadership skill set until the day that I die. And so when I got into this program with a lot of really highly capable professionals and I'm going through these courses and they intentionally design them with group work, you have no authority. You have no ability to tell somebody what to do. And so when you're really trying to hone your leadership skill set, it is prime, prime area to be able to learn different ways of influencing and leading that don't require authority. I was the person in a group that you maybe didn't want to be in a group with because I was there to learn and I was going to get every, every ounce of it, even if it meant developing my leadership skill sets when we're in a course that's not even focused on that. So I would say that was one of the kind of indirect things that I really, really enjoyed. Yeah. So, I mean, I think you've, uh, the way that you were talking about, you thought about this a lot. So the, you're, if you are in a group setting with no formal title designation, what sort of leadership things can you work on or do to, you know, create direction or change or whatnot? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the first step would be relationships. I definitely learned the value of building into you know, right size relationships, I would say, you know, we all don't need to be best friends, but we, we need to spend a little bit of time getting to know each other. And especially in an academic setting, you know, the things that are going on around you, but that same thing would apply in a professional setting. We're all doing things and working on things, you know, through the course of what, what we're, we're there to do from a, a work standpoint, but there are other factors going on around us. And if we don't have a big enough relationship to understand some of that, then it's going to be hard to actually influence and move things forward if you're not considering that people have lives outside of what you see. So building a right size relationship would be one factor. The other thing for me was there there are certain ways I believe to influence a group that can be helpful. So for example, if a group is fully capable of, of doing the work that needs to be done and they have the time or the capacity to do it, sometimes it just takes that one person to start creating that momentum, whether that's in an academic environment or a professional environment. And as an example, pace setting is a way to do that. And so there are different ways to even do that when you don't have authority as well. And I, I learned that and how to apply that 
in the academic setting, even though I had used it in a professional setting, but in professional settings, I had normally been, you know, the boss, I'd been the one that had the ability to do it. So it was interesting to do it as a peer at that point and, and find that there's a different way to approach it. Yeah. No, oh, it's interesting. What's your 30 year? I mean, what, you, you start to talk about it in general sense, but 30 years, what does it look like with what you're doing? Or do you not know? Yeah. So I'd say I have a relatively clear picture. So I, I do have a kind of a personal view in the sense that, you know, tomorrow is not promised if I look at it that way. So as much as I can, I can think about what 30 years looks like. I also don't want to discount the moment that I'm in right now, because the moment that I'm in right now and the day that I have right now, that's really the most important thing. So how am I interacting with the people that are around me? Um, whether they be work-related, family-related, friends, or otherwise, you know, to me, that's the most important part. I want to start there. So when I think about 30 years, it's not necessarily to put my my hope in what that 30 years looks like and discount the things that are happening now and the ability to be an influence for what's good right now. So 30 years from now, though, you know, I do really have a lot of that focused on family and relationships around me. I mean, that's the most important important part of my life. And I want to know that anybody that's that's in my sphere, that I've done the best I can to be an influence for what's good for them as well. Now, when I look at it professionally, it's just a carryover of that. I want to be able to support leaders that are hopefully doing good things for their employees and for their customers. I want to support organizations that are hopefully doing good things for their for their community. If that's business coaching, great. If that's consulting, great. If that's working for someone else, great. Um, so the picture for me isn't necessarily a specific what I'm going to be doing, but it's more a matter of how am I going to be doing that? Yeah, very nice. Is there anything that uh, I did not ask you, Eric, that you want to share? I'm processing. So nothing that I, I would say, honestly, that I jumped into this conversation thinking about, but just to the course of the questions that you were asking, I think the from an entrepreneurial or from a business ownership standpoint, one of the, I would say things that's become more and more apparent to me is how, how much I don't know. The more I know, the more I realize how much I don't know. <laughs> and so I think for anybody that is a business owner is considering starting a business, I mean, whatever, or even just leading, you know, within a business, the more I've realized that I don't have to know it all, that I don't have to have the answers. And the more I've extended myself to different relationships to say that I need help, or I've put myself in other environments with people that that do have different experiences, the easier things have gotten. It doesn't mean that things aren't difficult at times, but it means that I have other people that can share their experiences or hopefully proactively say, hey, Eric, consider not going down this path or consider this. So I think that the main thing that I would share is the more we think we have it figured out, the more we should realize that we don't and just rely on people around us. And if we don't have the right people around us, find them. Um, I, you know, I, I have no vested interest in any type of peer advisory group. I co-facilitate one through a nonprofit. And so when I advocate for, for peer advisory groups, it's based off of my experience. It's not based off of any type of vested or financial interest. So that's a great, great way for anybody that's not currently part of one to continue expanding their knowledge as well as their relationships. Great, Eric, thanks for sharing your knowledge and your story. I really appreciate you taking the time with me and, and hopefully hopefully, there's some value in these, these conversations. Thank you for listening to the Specify Growth Podcast today. Make sure you check out youtube.com forward slash tats talks 
for video of today's podcast. Hit the subscribe button for upcoming episodes. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>